free education, low levels of corruption, and equality between genders, livable cities, and some of the most innovative companies on the planet. In short, life in the Nordic region is good. And Nordic countries have earned a pretty good reputation around the world, not only for their solutions to economic and political challenges through what some call the Nordic model, but also for their willingness to engage in solving global problems. So it's no wonder that Nordic nations often top the yearly rankings of countries either doing good or being good. But shouldn't this positive image be followed by a responsibility to contribute with ideas and examples to follow? Don't these countries have a special duty to inspire others? Well, the Nordic governments think so. In this episode, we'll examine how the Nordics handled this responsibility and what kind of inspiration they're bringing to the table right now. I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. Our Nordic stories are very similar. We share the same values, same society model, and our common take, let's show Nordics in the world, tells a lot about us, that we wish to collaborate and engage in dialogue. This voice belongs to Laura Kamras from Finland. She's the director of the Unit for Public Diplomacy at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Her job is to manage the good image of Finland in the world. In a few minutes, we'll also meet colleagues with similar tasks from Norway and Sweden, and a British author and consultant who has spent the last 20 years as an advisor to presidents, prime ministers, and monarchs of 56 countries. The people you'll meet in this episode came together ahead of the Nordic Place Branding Conference. The discussion was initiated and led by Parto Petro Pere, co-founder of Future Place Leadership, a management consultancy working with the attractiveness of cities, regions, and countries. First, let's hear more about what Finland does with its good image. For us, so-called country branding or country image work, as we call it in Finland, means collaboration and dialogue with the world. It's not a monologue or a polished story. It's actually a true story, and we want to be open. We put a lot of emphasis on values in our country image work. That's actually the basis for everything we do. For instance, last year, we went out to the world with our Finnish word Han and opened the dialogue about equality. We told the Finnish story and invited everybody to join. We asked if there was something somebody could learn from our story and what could we learn from others. One of the places where the Nordic countries often top the rankings is the Good Country Index. It's founded by Simon Anholt, the British consultant I mentioned before. The Good Country Index tries to measure the global impacts of policies and behaviors of countries. In other words, how countries contribute to the global community and what they take away. According to Simon and the Index, the Nordic countries give more than they take but they should not use their good image to further polish the halo and celebrate. What my research has shown over the years is that the behaviours most likely to produce a better image 
are uh, basically the behaviors that make people feel glad that you exist as a country. And so I think we've got two entirely separate tasks here. We've got a bunch of marketers selling the country's products and services on the one hand. And then on the other hand, we have a government that should be thinking about what is its country's contribution to the international community over the very long term, which will incidentally earn the country a better reputation. But that's incidental. It's not the reason you do it. You do it because it needs doing. In his latest book, The Good Country Equation, Simon tries to answer the question, how can we repair the world in one generation? He wonders why the world doesn't work, despite all the knowledge humanity has accumulated over time. And he comes up with a formula for encouraging international cooperation in this globalized era. Simon thinks that the Nordic countries should take the lead and be a source of inspiration in the struggle for a more sustainable world. Why should communities of all sizes do good? Uh, the answer is simply because if they don't, we're all screwed. And I think the Nordic culture is in some ways predisposed towards that understanding of life on Earth. It's one of the reasons why the Nordic countries often dominate most of the rankings, including the Good Country Index. Um, it's nearly always uh, Sweden or Finland or somebody uh, from this region. And I think that's just because for historical factors that have often been explored, um, these are countries which have understood and have learned the hard way in many cases, over many, many centuries, the values of cooperation and collaboration, and have discovered that if you just exercise competition on its own, it doesn't benefit you in the long run, and uh, it, uh, it, it harms everybody in, in, in the short term. For a long time, the Norwegian government has had the ambition to get the world to pay attention to what the country can offer. In order to do that, they first had to do some research. We've researched what the world really thinks about us and analyzed what strengths we can own and where we are trustworthy as a country. This is Helena Fries. She's head of The Explorer, an internet platform funded by the Norwegian government. It's a digital marketplace for green technology from Norway. And uh, the research showed that Norway is known for world-class technology and have the credibility when it comes to sustainability as we're known for keeping our nature pristine, for managing our natural resources well, and for our social model. So based on this, uh, we've been working to position Norway as a pioneer in sustainable solutions. And uh, we've created a brand center with a content library for everyone representing Norway. And we also developed the Explorer as our digital tool for showcasing Norwegian green innovations to the world, as our goal is to connect international needs with Norwegian sustainable solutions that can help solve the UN Sustainable Development Goals. In Sweden, Christian Biller works as a brand strategist at the Swedish Institute. The Institute is funded by the government and its task is to promote interest and trust in Sweden abroad and also to facilitate democratic, equitable and sustainable global development. I think we have a very, very strong and positive reputation in globally. I mean, uh, why? Because I think we have built stable democracies and we have dealt with real issues, you know, uh, things like equality and transparency and freedom. I think you say it in your book, Simon, no one goes to sleep at night being worried if Norway will harm you. So I think that says pretty much it uh, about the Nordic countries, you know. And so what can a place do uh, to earn a better reputation? I think you have to address 
um, that we're facing real problems like climate change and that your place wants to be part of this solution. Uh, you don't have to be the most innovative in every sector, but you, maybe you can aspire to be the best for innovation or the best for sustainability or the best for co cooperation. I think you might be onto something. I think that's how we try to work at the Swedish Institute to be best for for things instead of being the best of things, you know. If, if I could jump in there, it reminds me of another really important point, and, and that is this assumption, which still hasn't really gone away, that place branding, whatever the hell that is, is something you do on your own against the rest of the world. And that's patently ridiculous. The whole point of the situation we're in at the moment is that we need more cooperation and more collaboration. So I guess that's one of the good things about this pan-Nordic initiative is that it is at least based on the idea of doing things together. But any country that comes along to me and says, we want to improve our image, I always say to them, well, who are you going to do that with? Which other countries are you going to work with? Because the idea of a single country being able to genuinely make some kind of progress against climate change or migration or the pandemic is absurd. It's the whole reason why these problems are so pervasive, because you need more than one country to fix them. So I think we need to really throw away the old principles of place branding, whatever they were, however they arose, accidentally for the most part, and just think again from the beginning and say, what are the challenges facing us? How are we going to resolve them? This isn't about one country trying to push itself in front of others, and particularly not rich countries. As Christian says, the, the, the Nordic region, the last thing it needs is a better image. It's got the best image of any group of countries anywhere in the world. Um, that's not what needs fixing. What needs fixing is the world. This is so much more about responsibilities than opportunities. Back at the Finnish Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Laura agrees that cooperation is the way forward. First and foremost, it's important to contribute with something good. But it's also necessary to be open to new inspiration in return. You have to have the will to change things for better. And I think an interesting fact from Finland is that we conducted a survey last year. Four out of five Finns consider that urgent action is needed to mitigate climate change. So this is definitely a strong encouragement to policymaking. In Finland, our cities, towns and municipalities are doing a lot to mitigate climate change. As a matter of fact, Finnish cities have very ambitious climate goals. I want to take one example here about the contribution. It's from our capital Helsinki. Our capital Helsinki has a problem. Half of Helsinki's heating is produced by coal, and this is of course not a good thing. Helsinki needs a solution to this problem. What does Helsinki do? Helsinki opens the dialogue with the world and invites everybody to take part in solving this problem. So they opened an international competition, Helsinki Energy Challenge, It ended some weeks ago. Price 1 million euros to the best proposal. The international interest was huge. They received around 250 proposals from 35 countries. Now they are processing the proposals. I think the most amazing part of this competition is that they are not seeking a solution just for Helsinki, but they will share the knowledge and results openly so that everyone who is tackling with the same problem, could use the best practices. So I think this is a very important message about contribution, because I think values and purpose-driven thinking do have an ever greater role 
when it comes to country image work or so-called place branding. Our capital, Oslo, was last year uh, awarded the European Green Capital. And uh, hopefully we had a lot of visitors from all over the world and hopefully uh, they brought back some of the things that they saw. Uh, I think that one of one of the good things that Oslo has done is to uh, have some clear goals, for instance, to uh, not have any or try to reduce all cars in the city centre, not only to reduce emission, but also to uh, for us citizens to have a better health uh, environment. And I must say, I've just moved into Oslo and for the first time in 20 years, I've uh, started to use my bicycle uh, almost every day. So that's just, that's also very good for my own health. Uh, but they also look into the construction sector because that, uh, I, I think it accounted for roughly one-fifth of Oslo greenhouse gas emission. And Oslo has made a, a vision to achieve a zero emission construction sites by 2025. So it's actually quite quiet in Oslo now when you look at construction sites. So so these these uh, demands will uh, will be very good. And also we've we built a waste to energy plant where uh, all our waste is being burnt and then used in production of environmentally fri- uh, friendly district heating and, uh, and electricity. And, and even though we're a capital, small cities can do these things. I also think that legislation can drive development. Um, In Norway, for instance, um, 50% of all cars being sold are now electric. Uh, And this is done for for creating a a market for electric cars through tax reduction and legislations. So uh, electric cars were exempted from all taxes, uh, including sale taxes. And we were allowed to drive in uh, the bus lanes and to have free public parking and free battery charging. And that, this is why Norwegians love their cars. But um, the, the most important thing is that based on this, uh, we don't, we don't uh, develop cars, but we develop other kind of technologies for electric cars. But the whole idea is that we can develop new products and technologies that may be utilized in other parts of the world being, being an inspiration and cooperate with other countries. common denominator for many Nordic initiatives is that they're driven by the UN Sustainable Development Goals, also called the SDGs. Christian puts it this way. Everything we sort of report back to the Swedish government, we report like the SDG is an important KPI for us. So you have to like relate everything you do to KPI and you have to have this local engagement and partnership globally. Otherwise, it's, it won't work. I mean, no, no one is interested in hearing about how fantastic Sweden is. Um, so you have to have that local uh, engagement. And I also think that there's a, like a maturity along, uh, among like Swedish and Nordic companies that there is an urgency for change. I think I heard a representative from IKEA last week say that if they wish to be around in 25 years, they have to go from a linear business model to a circular one. And, and if this can imp- be implemented throughout their global value change, I mean, and prove also that it is good business, I think uh, then the Nordic will contribute and continue to be an interesting place for like investment and talent attraction that our products and services are still sought after. So if you're on the global arena, you have to have a global responsibility. 
Simon agrees that it's important to always consider the starting point of the country that you're cooperating with, especially before choosing the way you want to communicate. It looks as if uh, terrifying people by what will happen if they don't change isn't very effective. Um, And uh, one of the reasons why I wrote this book is because um, I felt that I actually had some serious incentives to offer governments for doing the right thing. Uh, Experience shows that if you go to governments and you ask them to behave more morally, that doesn't mean very much. Countries, generally speaking, are not moral. And leaders of countries are not generally speaking moral either. They're, they're, they're practical. And so if you can go, on the other hand, to a government and say, look, it is in your direct, immediate, short-term economic interest to collaborate and cooperate a lot more and to compete a tiny bit less, then I think you stand a chance of creating some change. I'm not a cynic, but I've seen that's the way it works. And so the good country equation is a calculus which says, here are some ways of actually proving to countries that this kind of better behavior will produce dividends for them in the short term. And that, I think, is what gets countries moving, uh, not continually saying to them, um, if, you don't, uh, if, if you don't reduce your carbon emissions, we're, we're, we're all doomed, because they know that already, and it hasn't made them change. One of the other aspects of, of national image uh, is that it does serve to uh, make the division between rich and poor worldwide even worse. Uh, it's a great divider, a great cause of inequality. Because poor countries don't only have to tackle, don't only have to deal with weak infrastructure um, and, uh, and, and weak institutions and weak economies, they also have to sail against the headwind of a negative reputation. And this increases the wealth gap globally. So if the Nordic countries have got such wonderful images and they're so expert at managing those images, why don't they transfer some of that expertise to the countries at the other end of the scale who need it so badly? Why doesn't Sweden help Djibouti with its own image. And the fact of the matter is that this is a little bit like life-saving. If a country with a really powerful and positive image that's universally admired puts its arm very visibly around a country that's not universally admired, well, you're also judged by the company you keep. And I'm pretty certain that people would start thinking about Djibouti in a different way if it was always in the company of Sweden. Sweden, because of its own image, has the power to lift up the images of other countries. So we're so lucky to be living in this age because there are so many things that countries can do. You know, you, 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 you stick your toe in the ground and you immediately find a hundred things, a hundred useful things that a rich country could do to try and make the world work better. It's really exciting. In his book, Simon is trying to show pathways towards a better world. He began writing before the outbreak of the new coronavirus pandemic. But does COVID-19 pose a threat to global and Nordic efforts to reach the Sustainable Development Goals by 2030? All of the people who went into the pandemic um, believing in multilateralism uh, now very effectively use the pandemic to demonstrate how we need more multilateralism, and I'm one of those. All the people who went into the pandemic believing uh, that globalization was a bad thing I've now seen many more reasons to uh, emphasize how bad a thing globalization really is. And if there'd been no globalization, there'd be no pandemic. Both sides are right, and neither side is listening to the other. And this, more than anything else, is the thing that worries me. Um, If we don't listen to each other and we're never prepared to change our minds, then uh, I'm afraid we really are doomed. That was very sad. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I, I um, well, I want to bring um, a more happier story then to the table, but, uh, because we saw when the pandemic uh, arised that actually suddenly a lot of people came onto our platform because suddenly there were no possibilities to physically meet anymore. So uh, a lot of international companies uh, entered the Explorer to try and find uh, uh, other ways of getting in touch with um, um, possible um, partnerships. So we actually increased the traffic by more than 400% during these months. And, and we can also see that there were connections and matches being done uh, from different countries that we probably wouldn't have seen uh, before. But I believe that digitization will be key here because only a year ago, it was more easy to jump on a plane to Oslo than to actually have a Teams meeting. Uh, so we've, we've really uh, leapfrogged into, uh, into meeting much more digitally so uh, I think that we have to facilitate for these kinds of corporations uh, on, a, on a, another scale that we've seen before. You're absolutely correct, I think. I mean, we know that change is coming at a faster speed than ever before. I mean, we've already entered this fourth, so-called fourth industrial revolution with 5G and AI and whatnot, you know, and together with the climate change and declining biodiversity and this adding the international pandemic. I mean, we're in the disruption of every industry in every country. And and of course, we can't solve this on our own. I mean, we need to collaborate more than ever. I think Simon is absolutely correct. Um, and uh, hopefully the Nordics can contribute by continue to stand up and work for like equality and transparency and sustainability for good business for the global, for again, for the global community. I would like to be optimist here that we Although these times are so, so challenging with COVID-19, uh, we need to see some light at the end of the tunnel. And I think the green recovery is so, the message of green recovery is so strong, uh, whether it's coming from European level or also from the Nordic. Let me just balance my previous comments with a couple of good things to say about the pandemic. First of all, it's been incredibly useful for climate change, uh, not in the obvious way, but in the way that uh, it's made the whole of humanity realize that we could basically stop existing in a way that climate change never quite managed. The majority of the world's population still doesn't quite believe in climate change and therefore doesn't quite believe that we're really in danger. What the pandemic has shown is that human society is very fragile and it can fall apart at any moment. And my experience so far and from my research, it looks as if people now when they return to the discussion of climate change come to it with a much humbler and less complacent and much more productive point of view. And I think that's been incredibly important. Humanity doesn't recognize climate change as an enemy. It can only recognize the pandemic as an enemy. And that's been really, really useful. But more importantly, still, it's made us feel more together as a species than anything else could possibly have done. Everybody in the world who's got a television or access to the internet looks at their screen today and sees the whole of humanity suffering like one tribe once again, like going back to Africa. And that for global unity has been incredibly valuable. It's reminded us that we really are one species inhabiting one planet. And you couldn't pay for that. It's the best thing that could have happened. Au 
okay, so maybe in the future, climate action and the other sustainable development goals will be discussed in a more constructive way. And we'll also need to get better at collaborating between countries as well. But what can you and I do? My call to action is think sustainability and sustainable solutions in everything. There's a clear trend that sustainable investments increase more than others. And in the long term, those companies that provide such solutions will grow more and make more profit. And that is good for all of us. I would say always include collaboration and co-creation in all your communication and projects and meet on equal terms. Look out for and challenge tribalisms. If you're a localist or a liberal, don't let anybody tell you that the globalists or the conservatives are your enemy and that you have to fight them. It's just you on a different day. We're all both of those things. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we will get together and start fixing things. This idea that we must spend all of our days screaming against the people who have different views from us, this is the worst idea on the planet. It's the most dangerous idea on the planet and it makes fools out of all of us. We're all liberal. We're all conservative. We're all left. We're all right. We're all globalist. We're all localist. We need to get inside the mindset of the people that we argue with and realize that we're not arguing about anything. Yeah. Wouldn't it be good if we could all stop screaming, put aside our differences like Simon suggests, and start working together to solve our common challenges? One idea is to apply a sustainability perspective to everything, like Helena said. So interesting how Oslo transformed itself and how Helsinki involved the whole world in solving a Finnish problem. Or how Sweden cooperates with its partners in other parts of the world. Moving forward, I'm sure that we in the Nordics are ready to work extra hard to continue living up to our good reputation. Be sure to go to our website, nordictalks.com, where you can learn more about future Nordic Talks events and read about all the different people that you meet in the podcast. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening. <laughs>